and welcome to Morning Prayer. It's Pastor Maria Murphy. God bless you today. I pray that all is well with you. Hallelujah. Uh, as you come in, say hello so I can greet you. Uh, it's Monday, and we thank God for Mondays around here. We're happy for Mondays. Uh, it's a day that we can uh, live out our lives with purpose, and we expect good things, great things to happen on Mondays. Amen. And so we can set our intention for the week. Uh, we can uh, accomplish a lot on Mondays. And so I thank God for Mondays. Uh, as you come in, say good morning. I'd like to greet you. Good morning, Donna. God bless you today. Happy Monday to you. Hallelujah. I believe we are good with volume. Uh, I just thank God for his work. We had a wonderful time uh, yesterday in service. God's just doing great things. And then uh, we have some pastor friends that uh, are in uh, Texas. And the same thing, uh, you know, it, not exactly the same how it manifested in terms of, you know, how we were led to do it and how they were led to do it. Uh, but the outcome was that the men of the church were called to the altar. <laughs> and the, the words rise up were spoken over their men and the Lord directed us to do the same with our men and the words rise up were used. And so I thank God that we had the same flow of the spirit. Uh, you know, we are members of the body of Christ. We are not the church. We are part of the church, right? We're not the only church. There's many members. And so I thank God that he led that church to do the same thing he led us to do. I thank God. Our men. It was about the men. And so I thank God for that. Good morning, Miss Tracy. God bless you today. Glory to God. And so uh, I was reading today in Philippians uh, about Paul, and you'll remember that Philippians, uh, this letter was written uh, when he was, good morning, Ivan, and happy Monday to you as well. Uh, Paul wrote this uh, book of Philippians, this letter to the church in Philippi, when he was in one of the worst prisons uh, in that region. Good morning, Jean. God bless you today. And he wrote the letter uh, to the church there at Philippi, and he uh, encouraged them. Now, it was the one of the worst prisons, worst conditions uh, one could experience in prison. And uh, he wrote to the church that he had a longtime partnership with. Uh, they partnered with him financially to help him spread the gospel. The church was about 12 years old at this time. And so he wrote to them. And in the midst of uh, the struggles that he was having in prison, uh, and, and the conditions that the prison was in and all of that, he wrote to them concerned about them. And he first, I love how he uh, started and he said in verse five, I thank my God for your fellowship. There is nothing like the fellowship of faith. You know, I have lots of family, lots of friends, and uh, I have friends and family who are saved and walking with God. I have uh, friends and family who are not saved, not walking with God. And you know, there's nothing like the fellowship of faith. When you get with family or friends that are saved and walking with God and you have that, that heart, that heart connection, that spiritual connection, it's not just a bloodline connection, you understand? It's not just blood. 
but there's that also that spirit uh, connection. And so there's nothing like the fellowship of faith. So I understand what Paul uh, is saying here. He was thanking them and, and for their partnership in advancing the gospel. Uh, because Paul, even though he was struggling, he did not get off his mission. He still, he didn't say, you know, this is, a, I've come upon a hard time, so I'm going to have to put that, that aside for now and deal with this. And then I'll go back to that when the Lord gets me out, you know, almost like if you don't get me out, I'm not doing it anymore, you know. And so uh, he didn't do that. He didn't have that attitude. Paul stayed on his mission. He stayed focused on the advancement of the kingdom. Even when he was in prison, he was like, this is an opportunity for me. And I'm going to use this opportunity. They haven't silenced me, so you know what? I'm going to use this opportunity. And uh, he was able to reach. We remember uh, the jailer uh, in when he was imprisoned at one time. The jailer and his whole family received the Lord. And and when they broke, remember when they got broken out of prison, uh, uh, Paul and Silas. Uh, then the whole jailer and and the people in the jail. And so he did not stop. And and we could learn from that. We'll have struggles. In fact, in Philippians chapter one, towards the end, he said, we are going to struggle in this life. And here's the thing, Paul's struggles and his, his suffering was not because he disobeyed God. And his struggles were not because he was doing his carrying out his own agenda and doing what he wanted to do. No, Paul's uh, suffering came because he was preaching the gospel with great boldness <laughs> and they didn't like it. And so, you know, he, he, he struggled even when he was doing that, you know, we are, you, you add our disobedience or I'm doing my, taking my own path and we have a reason to struggle, right? We give, we give ourselves even more struggle. There's not a lot of us that are struggling for the gospel's sake because we're preaching the gospel. Uh, not a lot. A lot of our struggles come because of the choices that we make uh, or the decisions or the things we get ourselves involved with when we should be on our mission to do this. And so uh, Paul, he, his mission was this. He was resolute, but he still had struggles. Even if you're just serving God, I'm not doing anything else, you're still going to struggle. <laughs> and so I like what Paul says, though. He talks about the grace. I, I love how he ended Philippians chapter 4. He ended Philippians chapter four and he said, uh, I'm going to read it out of the message. Philippians chapter four, verse 23, receive and experience the amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ deep, deep within yourselves. Hallelujah. We were saved by grace through faith. But the grace of God doesn't just end there. We have his grace in our life. And there's a lot being said about grace. And, oh, people think that it's a license to sin and all that. And I look at it this way. The grace of God that I was saved by, his grace also helps me to live the way he desires for me to live. It's his grace. His grace is not going to assist me in displeasing him. The grace of God will not assist a man or woman in displeasing God. It's 
his grace. It comes from him, but it will help me to live aligned to his will and his purpose. That's what his grace is for. And so Paul says to receive and experience the amazing grace. The grace is there, but we have to receive it and experience just like salvation is there. Healing is there. Life and health, wholeness, joy and peace and strength, stability. All of it is there for us, but we must receive it and experience it. And the way we do that is by spending time with the source of the grace. We spend time. If I spend time with the source of the grace, I will know that his grace is for me to live like him and to please him. And it, it won't, I, I, it keeps me. His grace keeps me from sinning, from the desire of that. And so I thank God for his grace. And we know that Paul leaned into the grace of God heavily. He always, grace and peace to you. He always uh, talked about the grace of God. He received it and he experienced it. Amen. And so we receive and experience his grace today. And in, in Philippians, Paul talks about uh, a lot about setting our minds. He said, let this mind in Philippians chapter two, five, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And we've talked about that. It's his mindset. Jesus mindset was one of humility and submission to God. That's what his grace will help us do. His grace will help me be uh, humble and submissive to him and his will. It will help me align my will to his will. It will help me align my thoughts to his thoughts. It will help me align my actions to his actions. That's what the grace of God will do in your life. And so it, Paul talks a lot about what to set your mind on in Philippians 4. He tells us the things to think on. And then he begins to say, then he said at the end of that practice, what you've seen me do. And what he's saying is get your mind right, set your mind on the right things, and then your conduct will align with what your mind is, is, is aligning with. And so it starts first in our thinking, let your thoughts, he tells us what to think on, the things that are pure and right, perfect, lovely, good report, things that have virtue and praise. Think on these things. And then he says, and then do, practice. The right, the next verse says, practice what you've learned from me. That means Paul did this. And so we do this. And when we get our minds right, we set our minds. Paul says it in Corinthians, set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. Set your mind on heaven and, and, and aligning yourselves with the kingdom like Paul. The advancement of the kingdom was so strong in him. His mind was set on the advancement of the kingdom of God that not even prison would have him set aside his mission. Let me get released and then I can regroup and re-strategize and uh, come up with another plan, you know, to do. No, he, his, the advancement of the kingdom of God was so big on the inside of him was, it, he talks about having singular vision 
uh, and his, the, his vision was focused and he was he had singular vision to where he said no this is this is my role this is what God called me to do and this is what I'm going to do and so we should do the same and then he instructs us to be unified with other believers. The world needs the church of God to be unified. That's why I love that I'm here in Massachusetts and my friends are over there in Texas and they have a church there. I have a church here and uh, God had us do the same thing in our services, minister to the men. Whatever way it was done, they were at the altar, our men were at the altar. You know, that's unity in the spirit. We didn't, we didn't call each other and say, I'm, we're not that close. You know, we graduated from, or he went to Bible school where I went and I, we didn't call each other and say, what are you all doing in your service today? And, and what are we going to do in our service? And uh, what do you think about doing? We didn't, there was no discussion, but the Lord knows what he desires to do with our men in this hour. We don't know. I don't even know what all of it meant yesterday. And I'm not even going to ask. I just let the Lord do what he wants to do. And then I know it's a blessing and, and, and something good's going to come out of it. And they did the same. And so I thank God. I thank God that we are in unity. It's not something that we have to make happen, but when we align to his will, it just happens. And the world needs to see us unified. They're crying out for unity. You know, see me like you see you. And 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 uh, I want to be seen and I want to be noticed. That's unity they're crying out for. You can't have that without the Spirit of God. You can't have that without the Lord being in the middle of it. And so Jesus is the answer for the world today. <laughs> the, the song, the rest of the song goes, above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. He is the answer for all of the problems that we face in our world today. But it takes each of us humbling ourselves, humbling ourselves. That's the best posture we could have at this time to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and to submit ourselves to him. Let his love work in us the way it worked in Jesus. Let it flow unhindered through us to others. And, and that's the way that we're going to change the world. We're not going to change it by our speeches and by our enlightening them with, with this or that. No, we love them and we tell them Jesus loves them and we tell them he has a better way for them. And, and he desires that they experience and receive his grace. Hallelujah. And we share what his grace has done in our lives. My friend, I know you've been saved by grace. Don't you have a testimony of his grace in your life? I have a testimony of his grace. When there were a number of times that I should have been, you know, uh, I, I can think of one time where I could have been left uh, uh, to die uh, in the back of an abandoned building, you know, because I, you know, hitchhiked with my son. Him and I could have been, he was a, an infant, weeks old, and got picked up by an individual and was starting to drive to the back of an abandoned building. But God and his grace, and I could have been dead, and my son been dead, our life cut short right there. But the grace of God, the grace of God in my life. Hallelujah. I know you have testimonies of his grace and I'll never stop talking about his grace, but his grace does not give me a license to sin. No, no, no. His grace 
helps me to live a life that pleases him. It's it, the source of grace is him. It's him. And he's the source of everything good. Amen. And so there's no uh, license there to do anything that's not good. <laughs> right? Amen. Common sense will tell you that. We need uh, theologians and, you know, preachers to tell us different. Uh, and so we just stay on uh, the, 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 the right message, right? We stay, we stay in the middle of the road, as our, my father in the faith, uh, Dad Hagen, used to say. Stay in the middle of the road. Don't go to one side of the ditch or the other. And the Holy Spirit will help you do that. Amen. Let's just thank God for his grace today. And just... Uh, let them know we want to uh, experience his grace, that assistance. Hallelujah. Father, oh, you are the father of grace. You're the source of grace. And we thank you. We thank you for your grace today. We thank you that you are the father of grace. We just thank you for that. We thank you. We're so pleased, Father God, that we can have grace and receive grace. You've offered us your grace. And so we thank you. You didn't just keep it to yourself, but you've offered it to us. In fact, you've saved us by your grace. And it's our faith and our trust in your grace, Father God, that saves us. And so we thank you that we are saved by grace. And now we say we live by grace. We live by grace. And we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord, that you are the source of grace and you have an abundant supply of grace. You said, my grace is sufficient for you. And when we look up those words and look up those passages, we find out that you are the God who is more than enough. And so you've given us more than enough grace. One translation says grace upon grace is what we receive. And so we thank you for your grace. And we, we acknowledge today and, and we let you know that we understand that your grace is not so we can manipulate your word. Not so we can manipulate the word to make it say what we want it to say so we can act a certain way, but, oh, I have the grace of God. No, we understand, Father God, that that's not the case. We don't manipulate your grace, but we understand that your grace, you, it's your grace, helps us and assists us to live a life that's pleasing to you. It gives us the strength to do it, the ability to do it. We have the wisdom. It imparts wisdom to us to do it. It gives us understanding. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, for your grace. We thank you for it today. And we thank you that we walk in your grace and your peace. We receive and we experience it for ourselves. And every time we do, we acknowledge it. We acknowledge it and we thank you for it. I just thank you, Father. I thank you. As Paul says, grace and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in the book of Ephesians. The grace is from you and you are the Father of light. And you said that all good things, good things come from you, the father of light. 
And so we thank you, Father. Your grace is a good thing. And it doesn't lead us into doing bad things. It keeps us from doing evil. It keeps us from doing the things that uh, we don't uh, need to do, that are not pleasing to you. It assists us and strengthens us and helps us to do the things that please you. We thank you for it. We give honor and glory to it. And Father, your grace helps us to stay on our mission. It helps us to stay when struggles come because we know trouble is going to come. You said in this world, there will be trials. There will be tests. There will be persecution. There will be tribulation. But you said that you've overcome the world. And so we stay in you. Your grace helps us to stay connected to the vine. And it helps us to stay on our mission. It helps us to not get distracted by the troubles and the tribulations. And it, it helps us not to lay aside the plan of God, not to lay aside the mission from God, not to lay aside uh, the things that you desire for us to do until this passes, until this storm passes, until this uh, trial passes, until I come out on the other side of this, until I receive complete healing, until I com receive complete restoration, until I receive, no, no, your grace lets us do what you've called us to do right here and right now in the middle of trouble, in the middle of tribulation, in the middle of persecution, your grace allows us to continue. And we go forth in boldness. Hallelujah. We declare your word and your works in boldness. And we thank you for that. We thank you for that in the name of Jesus. We thank you and we give you praise for that. We give you praise for it. We give you praise. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. I thank you that grace is upon each and every one of us today. We receive it. And you said to receive it deep, deep in our spirits. And so I thank you that it's been imparted to us. It's been deposited on the inside of us. And we say we receive your grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Abundance of grace today in the name of Jesus so we can accomplish everything that you called us to do in the name of Jesus. And it's because of what Jesus did. Hallelujah. That's what the grace is about. It's about what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. And because of what he did, I can live and do what he's called me to do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You know, we should never ask the Lord to do for us what we could do for ourselves. <laughs> I was reading in Mark uh, a couple days ago. And uh, remember when Jesus sent out the disciples and he told them, you know, uh, just go. I'm sending you two by two. These were the 12 before the 72. And he, he sent the 12 out and he told them what to do. And he, he said, you know, this is what you take with you. This is what you do. And they saw signs and wonders. It says they preached the word and they saw signs and wonders. And then he had the time where he preached and taught the crowds many things. And then they got hungry. Remember that? 
And then Jesus prepared them for a miracle. He had them sit down and he told them, give them food. And they're like, uh, where are we going to get food? The disciples, you know, these guys are the ones that were just used of God <laughs> to bring miracles and, and healings into the lives of people. It said everybody they touched just like Jesus. And they came back thrilled that even the devils were subject to us. And then he said, you feed them. And they were like, uh, say what, what we've not done this miracle before we've done the healings. We've done the casting out demons. This it might be a little too difficult, but Jesus said, no. So Jesus prepared them and showed them how to do it. He prepared them. He said, have them sit this way, very organized. He prepared for a miracle. He didn't beg God. He didn't take the loaves and fish and beg God and say, please make this happen. So they believe, you know, no, he just said, I thank you for this. And he, it was multiplied and they, they distributed it. And the disciples had a hand in that. Well, then you would think they healed people. Now they had like multiplication for food, right? They had like 12 baskets left over. And then uh, at another time, seven baskets left over and fed over 5,000. It says that was just the men. This is men and their families. So they seen this and then they go in the boat and Jesus goes, go ahead, go to the other side. And then it says, Jesus in Mark, it says, Jesus walked on water. It said he intended to pass them. If you'll read it in Mark, it says he intended to pass them, but they started screaming out in terror. <laughs> so he had to stop. And he, he told them, dudes, stop yielding to fear is what he told them. Stop yielding to fear. But he probably thought as he intended to pass them, he probably thought, oh, they got this. They got the they, they did the healings. They did the food. They were, you know, helped distribute that. They saw that they got this. So he, it says Jesus intending to pass them. He was walking on water. Then they got fearful and they're like, ah, Jesus, you know? And so he had to stop. He turned around. He had to stop and tell him, stop yielding to fear. And do you know what happened? The minute Jesus got in the boat with them, it says immediately they were on the other side. Did you read that in Mark? Read it in Mark chapter, I believe it's Mark chapter five. They were translated to the other side. Hallelujah. Jesus got in the boat with them and he accelerated. <laughs> he accelerated the speed to where they were going. I would stick with Jesus, the master. Amen. And I just, I thought that was awesome how, you know, Jesus just intended to walk by. He's like, oh, they got this. They're okay. And, the, and then of course they weren't. <laughs> Let's not be like the disciples. We see miracles. We see signs and wonders. And then we let something like a storm, you know, scare us. And, and, and no, no, we stick with Jesus and the grace that he's given to us to walk out our race and to not lose the ground that we've already obtained. You know, Paul talks about that. He says, you've got to keep the growth that you've already obtained. Otherwise, you'll start to go backwards. I don't want to do that. I want to just accelerate. And I want Jesus in my boat because I want that translated to the other side in a quick amount of time, redeeming the time because the days are even. I want to be over there on that other side real quick. So you know what? I let Jesus do it with me. Amen. I don't do it apart from him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I thank God for his word. It encourages me. It builds me up and encourages me and nourishes me. I'm hungry for his word. And because I'm hungry for his word, he reveals things to me. Every time I pick up a story, I've read that story tens of thousands of times since I was a kid. And I never got that perspective. But when we set our minds on Jesus and we say, I want to know you, I want to know everything about I want to know how you did things. I want to know how the disciples worked with you. I want to know how you performed those miracles because as you are, so am I. <laughs> He'll start showing you those things. Hallelujah. We're hungry for him. Amen. Hungry for the Lord and his word. Glory to God. Have an awesome day in the Lord. I thank you for joining me. I pray that you are encouraged and that you uh, have an awesome day.